You're listening to Discography Discussion, episode 271, American Head Charge. Hosted by Dan Terry. Trust me, guys, it'll be fine. And Joseph Wren. Let's go back to you with the boombox. Presented by DiscussMetal.com. And if your violent reaction to a tango umbrella involves a chain gun and the BFG 9000, then you are ready for this episode of Discography Discussion. I am Joe. That is Dan. New Metal May returns. We thought we were done. Then Dan said, I think we should charge right into New Metal May. An American head charge right into New Metal May. What I actually said was that I don't want to do Industrial December anymore. I never say anything about not doing New Metal May. <laughs> I'll let you decide. If you're not familiar with this show, normally we talk about heavy bands, like super, super heavy bands. Uh, unless, you know, for some reason somebody decides they want to talk about Symphony X or something like that. Uh, but that's fine. I had nothing to do with that. I'm sorry. But we are <laughs> huge fans of another little podcast called Roach Coach. And uh, our friends Lauren, Matt, and Jenny every single week review a new metal album. I've been listening to Roach Coach most of the time that we've been doing discography discussion. And uh, in honor of the Roach Coach podcast, we thought every single May we're going to talk about only new metal bands so that we can get a little bit of a taste of what it's like to be in the new metal trenches. The only difference is, is we have to listen to the whole discography of said new metal band. So, you know, whenever we get to some of these legacy new metal bands that have been around up until modern day, they usually have, you know, 12 or 13 records for us to listen to, and it can get rough. Yeah, if you want an example of that, go listen to the Corn featuring Lauren Kozlowski of Roach Coach episode uh, to see exactly what that looks like. Thankfully, though, American Head Charge, they were cool, and it was only, you know, four records. I mean, I'm sure they probably wanted to put more, but uh, <laughs> I was actually pretty surprised by this band because, honestly, I've heard them before, but I guess I wasn't paying attention or I had them confused with a different band because I was like, oh, God, I got to listen to this, and it's going to be some sort of, like, kind of heavy rock that's not going to be that interesting. Uh, and then, you know, I listened to their first record, and I was like, wait a minute, is American Head Charge actually awesome? American Head Charge is the template my ticket home would later pull from when they release that glorious record strangers only it should be on your playlist at all times you know it's on your playlist at all times dan it's on my playlist a little bit higher than wolfgang van halen but that's semantics and the fact that the record's been out longer i do a chronological thing i just start adding records to a list that i constantly go back to it's most of the music I've heard doing this show that I love so very much. And new metal will always be one of those styles that I go back to. I have one guitar that I keep in the right tuning to play new metal at all times. Because never forget, especially right now with some newer new metal albums coming out. I know Limp Biscuit put out Still Sucks. And we all rejoiced. Amidst all the chaos of the last two years, we got new metal. To use Lauren Kozlowski's line, new metal is back. I say new metal never went away. And American Head Charge? I wish they hadn't gone away. They took a break close to the end, and it's unfortunate, but it's a good thing. Because the band at least went out on a blazing new metal high note that we are going to get into shortly. Yeah, I mean, this band has a really interesting sort of sort of journey, musical arc. I definitely get sort of a nothing face kind of vibe as far as like this is a band that was great that was definitely not recognized, I think, enough. And unfortunately, they end sort of sort of in tragedy, which is which is unfortunate. I hate to see a good band stop for for stupid reasons. You know, not not that somebody dying that was a principal songwriter is a stupid reason, uh, but it's stupid in that like you know, when you ha when you have a band that I enjoy listening to this much, uh, it's a shame that they have to be subjected to the same uh, earthly um, mortality <laughs> that we all have to suffer through. Mortality just, is indeed should, stupid. They should, yeah, yeah. I hate mortality. Anti mortality. We're an anti mortality podcast. <laughs> 
Not not anti-morality, anti-mortality. One step closer to my cyberpunk brain download fantasy. But like you were saying about, you know, new metal and, and it never went away. It definitely went away for me for a while. I mean, there was definitely a period of time where I was definitely too cool to listen to new metal. You learned. Well, now I have kids, so it doesn't matter how cool I try to act. I'm not cool, so why not listen <laughs> to the new Limp Bizkit album, right? Or listen to some American Head Charge. Well, before Dan lifts the hammer and dives right in, I'm going to take this time to say thank you to everyone for listening to the podcast. Thank you for listening and for subscribing. If you are not a subscriber, then you can find everything Discography Discussion at DiscussMetal.com. We're on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. So if you have an Amazon Echo or a Google Home, you have no excuse. Ask it to play the latest episode of the Discography Discussion Podcast, and it will. We're also on Facebook and on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Be sure to like, favorite, and subscribe. It really helps us out. It lets us know you're listening, and now Dan is going to tell us all about five-star reviews. We do enjoy some reviews on Discography Discussion. Leave us a review wherever you can, or if you want to get personal about it, send an email to Show at gmail.com. With anything you got, you know, band suggestions, you know, whether you like the show, whether you hate the show, whether you think that we should all just you dip our balls in sulfuric acid. I mean, whatever you whatever you got to say, just go ahead and say it. Send us an email. And you know what else you can send us an email about? If you would like to sponsor an episode of this podcast, send us an email. Once again, show at gmail.com. Let us know what you're peddling and we'll see if we can help you peddle it, you know, as long as you, you know, t- send us some money. What about the Discord server, Dan? Shouldn't people get on that Discord server and talk about all the metal? Yeah, I mean, there's a link to the Discord server in the show notes of this episode that you're listening to right now. Don't, no, don't, no, 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 no. That's the pause button. No, click on the pause button. Click on the link that is to the to the Discord. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead and download the app. Say yes to everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You wanna you wanna join the Discord? Uh, that's where that's where me and Joe hang out mostly. So. Uh, you know, if you if you want to hang out with me and Joe, that's really the place to do it. Let's shout out some of our beloved patrons, and that would include the likes of. Wait, who are all these people? I'm kidding. These people are John Drake, who you guys probably know. Oh come on, <laughs> Aaron Phillips. That's a new one. I haven't seen that one yet. So thank you, Aaron Phillips. Uh, Evan Merkel, Lost Fiction, Kyle Driver. Timu, I'm not going to say your last name. I'm just not going to do it. Uh, Joe, let me know. I was on I, I was on vacation. I was on podcation when you messaged us and said that we've been butchering your name for a long time. You, you've been a patron for a long time. And uh, in exchange for us butchering your name, you have requested a Trivium episode. We are working on that Trivium episode, and we will try to get it out for you as soon as we possibly can. And... Keep your uh, keep your ears open on some upcoming episodes because we're gonna tell everybody what the secret is to getting an episode, you know, like as soon as they want it. <laughs> but it's a secret. It's a secret, so I can't tell you right now. Dangerous Dave, Richard Renz, Big T, Big T, Josiah Heiberg, Brandon Miranda, Ken Zapla, Jeremy Prince, Josh Moser, David Brown. Samuel Woodward, Brian the Dean, Lance Allegood, the King of Metal, and Patrick Asplund. Thank you guys so, so much. You are the music makers and you are the dreamers of the dreams. And if you'd like to get in on that album review feed, along with everything else we post on Patreon, check out patreon.com forward slash discuss metal or patreon.discussmetal.com. I've been working on those short links, Dan. Are they making everything better for you? I mean, I like short links because I have this weird problem that when something's highlighted in blue, I like to read everything that's in the link. And if the link's too long, unfortunately, that's whenever my ADD kicks in and I can't finish reading the link. So short links, good. Long links, very, very bad. Are you excited? So, Dan, tell me and the listeners all about American Head Charge. Well, Joe and the listeners, <laughs> American Head Charge is a metal band from Minneapolis, Minnesota. Minnesota. Let me know if I if I got that if I got that right. Um, 
These guys have been around for quite a while. Um, they were more or less kind of in that 90s, sort of late 90s. I'm going to say it's 1997 whenever this band started. And they had uh, they had some names uh, before American Head Charge. If you're if you're curious, you, you want to hear what those names are, Joe, you're going to have to. You're gonna have to you're gonna have to bleep out some of them, but um, let's go for it. The first one was Flux, which I think is a pretty cool band name and easily good for vandalism. Another one was called um, Gestapo Ranch, and the other one was called Warsaw Ghetto. But they couldn't use the name Flux because uh, it was already being used by another band, so they dropped it so that they didn't get you know sued right into the ground. And uh, I think I don't really have to explain why the other names didn't didn't work out. They yeah, those start. weren't going to go in the modern heavy metal radio scene if the radio was a scene back in the 90s. Well, whatever. I don't think radio was what they were worried about at first, especially once we start talking about their first album. But um, yeah, I mean, basically, they came up with the name American Head Charge. And nobody really knows why they they've never like publicly said that basically just saying that the name doesn't actually have a meaning. It just sounds really cool. Uh, there was actually um, a li- there there actually was I can't remember what it was if it was an album or it was a band. Um, yeah, okay, yeah, it was a dub band that was called African Head Charge, but supposedly that's completely unrelated. But I don't know. It's- very strange history of a band name, but uh, I don't know. American Head Charge is a really cool name. I, I, I can't even explain why. This is the 90s. We're talking about bands that were pre-file sharing who didn't want to be that thrash band from the 80s anymore. It wasn't about being Iron Maiden or being fantasy-driven or trying to be something that's mysterious. It was all about the fucking beef and just being the heaviest thing you possibly could be without being brutal. It was about attitude. And I could see the name Head Charge being something cool that the band just latched onto. What does it mean? It doesn't really mean anything. But American Head Charge? That reminds me of bands like The Band, who get credit as an example of what American music is was back in their time so when you listen to american head charge in 1999 when they put their first album out trepidation is this what american music is supposed to sound like i think it was becoming popular music at the time but it wasn't quite the same as your corn or limp biscuit band would be i don't know man i hear a lot they've got a lot of different influences going on on this record and i i have to say that i this is my favorite american head charge album wow it is yeah, I mean, it's it's independently released, so, like, the gloves are off as far as, like, what's acceptable, what's not acceptable. There's a lot of stuff going on, though, on this record, and I think that, n- number one, the lo-fi sound of it, it actually makes it more enjoyable for me because there's some weird compartment in my brain that's like, oh, it's lo-fi, so that means it's good. Uh, but there's, there, there's heavy corn-ish guitars here. There are predominantly screamed vocals. Uh, dude's got uh, a hell of a bark on him. Uh, can also sing in a Alice in Chains with a little bit of Godsmack mixed in. Um, I'm not really sure. Those are definitely not my favorite parts of the album, but uh, I think they are. <laughs> they are a good contrast uh, from, you know, from just being shouted at with brutal riffs. But like, I think that these guys have really brutal riffs. They have a very good vocalist who can sing and scream. And then there's just samples. So many samples going on in the background. Now, this is a real band. This is not like an industrial act, you know, in the traditional sense, in that it's not like a guitar player, a bass player, a singer, and a drum machine. Um, this, is, this, is, this is a real rock band sitting down playing these songs. And then they just basically went in and were like, all right, let's add all this cool crap to it. And so I hear a lot of bands in this. I hear I hear Corn. I hear a little bit of Limp Bizkit. Uh, some of the vocals I don't think are totally wrapped, but it almost seems as if they're trying to rap. It's, it's hard to explain. Uh, the best example of that that I could think of is the song Seamless, uh, where it's like, it's that thing where we didn't call it rap, but I think that's what they were trying to do, but then they wouldn't admit now that that's what they were trying to do. But uh, there's a hell of a groove at the beginning of that song, and the way the way his 
rhythmic delivery, which I think is how we trademarked that vocal style on the show. His rhythmic delivery is very on point. And uh, this thing got me pumped. I was at work, you know, moving carts, lifting boxes, doing those things that I do while listening to this record. And uh, we don't wear headphones at work, so my all my coworkers were listening to it as well. <laughs> and uh, I had a lot of people be like, "Dude, is this is this one of those throwback bands?" And I was like, "No, dude, this this is this is legit from 1999." And they're like, "Dude, it sounds like a total time capsule." And it's weird because I would have thought that for some reason I kept thinking of of American Head Charge as some ancient band. And I guess like if you're like under the age of like 20, that that probably is true, but. Um, 1999, for whatever reason, doesn't seem that long ago to me. So, because I mean, 1999, Limp Bizkit and Corn were already popular. System of a Down was already out. New metal was was more or less. So, I guess if if we're allowed to use Roach Coach terms, you know, just this month only, this would have been you know what they call right in the thick of it, you know. And it's definitely a time capsule to that sound because. Even though normally I wouldn't describe a band like this as original because of all of the different influences I hear, American Head Charge has a level of aggression that a lot of new metal bands don't have. Other bands sound more gimmicky, like they're just doing it because, well, this is what new metal is supposed to sound like. There's a lot of like real anger in these songs and a lot of anger and frustration and a realness that comes through a lot more clearly due to this being an independently released album. Anytime you say new metal, there's going to be corn in it, especially in the 90s. There's going to be Limp Biscuit. There's going to be System of a Down. But I hear snot, and you know I love me some snot. Definitely does taste a little bit salty, like there might be some snot in here. Yeah. So you have the vibe. It's not punk rock, but it's that punk rock driving forward energy that rhythmic delivery i love bringing that back every may we don't get to use it all the time through the year straight up lynn to me lynn had a vibe he had a way of delivering all of the vocals at once that he says wasn't really influenced by anyone he just kind of developed his own style so to hear somebody else give that same 90s barked delivery that is not death growls it's not that type of heavy metal but it has that vibe it's the time capsule of the 90s it's the end of the decade everybody was trying to either cash in or they were trying to play along but american head charge they took the we need a dj portion of the record and threw the turntable down the stairs almost an incubus science level of how much random shit can we throw in here this is just unhinged this is this is new metal where you didn't have a label coming in and saying like you know okay guys here's what you guys need to do yeah this is literally like these are the songs that we wrote we're angry we're upset we're playing this aggressive music and you know i heard this record and i was like man this this feels very real this feels very legitimate if, if that's a way you can describe music uh and i felt a real connection with it even all of this many years later i'd literally never heard this record before this week and uh it blew me away i've listened to it five or six other times just for fun and uh you know i liked the record but more importantly do you know who else uh ended up liking liking this record it's 1999. I'm going to say Fred Durst. Wrong. Rick Rubin. That checks out. I mean, why would you not want to put American head charge on American recordings? <laughs> right? Right? I mean, like that's that's what that's what uh, RR, you know, thinks. So let's go for it, right? I mean, to Rick Rubin, he, he he's going to he's going to sign your band. And uh, you know, to to finish up a little, our, our chat on uh Trepanation I think this is still awesome. If anybody has a physical copy of this record that they want to sell to me, uh, please uh, please email us at danandjoeshow@gmail.com uh, because I would be very interested in having a physical copy of this if it exists. Um, I, I want to uh, have a special shout out to Aleph New Metal on YouTube who was happy enough to upload this so that uh, not not specifically so that we could listen to it, but just so that everyone would have access to it and. Uh, yeah, as long as we don't get in trouble, uh, we, we might even link it in the show notes. 
because you know it's on YouTube. So it, it gets okay. If you're listening to this 15 years from now and you click on that link and it doesn't go anywhere, like that's we we don't accept any responsibility for that. <laughs> but uh, you can listen to it right now, and I think that you should. I'm not usually this positive, but uh, I, I really this really surprised me, and I enjoyed it. I mean, sure. I have some minor criticisms. Obviously, the sound quality is not up to snuff, but I'm not going to like judge it. It's it's not like Rick Rubin produced it. More on that later. Um, it's it's definitely it feels about right. Like if I had heard this in 1999, I would have been like, "This is the best band that you've never heard of. You guys need to go check this out. This is way better than all that mainstream garbage that you guys are listening to." This would have been my go-to album for the next three years. Well, hold on there, Discuss Metal Dan. In 2001, you get the War of Art. Oh, boy, the War of Art. Okay, so this is... Let's take trepidation and just bring it forward in the production department, but don't change any of the attitude or the energy. I love this fucking record. This is the only starting point I've ever had for this band. So... Being able to hear the first album and hear the same vibe, but just raw, I'm glad in hindsight that it just didn't change. The band's stuck with it. It's new metal as fuck. I love it. They've got melody where they need it. They've got attitude all the time. The drums are fucking groovy, but they're not so insanely driven. They're just there to be the fucking beat. Now get heavy, get intense, throw your samples in, and just fuck everything. Yeah, I mean, this is like, I mean, if you hadn't noticed from the track listings, there's a lot of stuff recycled, obviously, from Trepanation. And uh, I'm totally, I'm totally fine with that. Um, this is, this is the big budget, re- the big budget re-release. This is the HD remaster, <laughs> you know, of, of this record. But unlike an HD master remaster, it's not a, you know, it, it, it's not. They didn't just take a Vaseline filter and you know smudge it all over the all over the record. Uh, this is just the big budget version of that previous album, with a lot more. You know, with, with some new songs, some old ones reused. The new version of Seamless is still my go-to. And honestly, if this had come out, you know, in 1999 instead of 19 instead of 2001, uh, this record would have sold a lot better. See, there, there's some other things that were going on in 2001. That uh, that you may have heard of. Uh, there was there was a very big very big event that took place in 2001, and uh, let's just say that American Head charges the Art of War album, the War of Art. With a, Get it right. Oh, sorry, sorry. The art, the <laughs> war, the War of Art album, uh, which features an American flag being trampled by a tank, and uh, the 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 amount of like police siren samples and things that are on this record i think it's great listening to it in a vacuum here in 2022 like i'm totally like this is so cool uh but this was uh this was this band this album was sort of a casualty to the 9-11 um can't really say it's the 9-11 bump it's more the uh a lot of bands yeah like when we were talking about this a little bit in the power man 5000 episode how you know you know, you can't drop a single called, you know, <laughs> drop the bombshell. You know, like the people just they didn't want to hear that. They wanted to hear, I, I feel so alive. There was a day, so- there was a time, there was many months and years where everyone did not want to hear this. And it's unfortunate for the artist because everything is hindsight in 2022. So to hear a band that for me, I mentioned Snot earlier and... You know, Lynn's vocals are something that I've always looked for. Anytime I've got a new band, and if I can find a slight comparison to that style, I'm usually on board because I really, really enjoy what that band put together and was only able to put together really one time. Yes, they did a follow-up with several guests as a tribute to Lynn, but only having one record, there's a part of me that is still empty because those vocals really were never duplicated. This is one of the closest comparisons I've ever been able to make. So every time I'm listening to this album, every time I'm listening to this band, I get excited because it's more of that. And it's unfortunate that the band was impacted musically 
because it impacted their career. That's the part that I think you can focus on and say it was unfortunate in 2001 that a lot of bands had a harder time because everything that they had recorded up to that point was the opposite of what everybody wanted to hear. And I know we're not quite to the feeding in 2005, but I'm just thankful this band stuck around for a few more years and gave it another shot. Yeah, I mean, the War of Art is is, is one of the, and, and should be remembered as one of the classic new metal records. And I think a lot of people think that about it right now. I mean, even though, you know, sales did suffer, uh, this album did end up eventually being able to sell over 250,000 copies, which, you know, probably isn't what Korn's able to sell. Or it's probably, it's probably less than what Korn can sell and less than what Disturbed can sell or even Limp Bizkit that year. Oh, um, because, you know, Limp Bizkit was just all about having a party. So people were still cool about cool with parties and, uh, and all of that. But yeah, American Head Charge just came in too hard. I mean, and I think that that is my favorite kind of band, you know, where people are just like, ooh, that's like a little too much, you know? And it is aggressive. It's it's more aggressive than a lot of new metal was that year. I mean, 2000, 2001, that was like around the time of like Chocolate Starfish and new metal bands were starting to change already. At this point, they were going in a more melodic direction, a little bit more uh, smoothed out vocals, you know. They were getting like, ready for the come down. They were getting ready for the come down, yes, to use another Roach coach. Uh, we're just going to get all these out right in front, aren't we? I mean, they wouldn't be good terms if they didn't apply, you know? And, you know, and during the come down, what a lot of these bands did, and what we mean by the come down, is a lot of new metal bands kind of went more of in an alternative rock direction, you know? Um, that's even where you started seeing terms like alternative metal being thrown out there because, number one, nobody wanted to be called new metal, like literally nobody, uh, especially at that time. And,. So you call yourself groove metal or you call yourself alternative metal or or you just tell people you're a rock band. That's my favorite. Even when Joe and I were in like in a melodic hardcore band, I would just tell people that I sang for a rock band you know? <laughs> uh, just because I didn't feel like getting getting into all the semantics. But uh, this record is incredible. And I was I was blown away by hearing like obviously the, the, the ultra crisp, ultra clean uh, Rick Rubin production <laughs> on this, uh, hearing some of those songs. It's cool that I have some of these songs, like Seamless, like I've mentioned a whole bunch of times now. It's probably my favorite song by them. Is uh, hearing hearing the lo-fi version and the HD version is is a lot of fun for me to have that compare and contrast. But these guys did stick around. But uh, you know, unfortunately, part of the story of American Head Charge, you know, there, there's a little bit of tragedy there. But before we get into the tragedy, I don't know about you, but I've been on this uh, oof. Uh, I've been on this one meal a day diet for such a long time that, you know, every day I wake up and I go to work and then I come home. And when I come home, I am ready for the feeding. 2005. If your band could sound more like 2000 new metal, this band found a way to do it. They took a step backwards in the production, in my opinion, but they kept the melody. They kept the heavy and they have the most 90s new metal album cover, some type of hand-drawn caricatured clown with one of those fonts that you could find on your Windows 98 PC. Then they just start marching forward like nothing ever changed. Why am I only now able to listen to this record with so much hindsight and joy? This is exactly what I was looking for in 2005, and I didn't find it until 2016. Well, that's just, you know, your problem, Joe. No, I'm kidding. 100%. Uh, to, to, give a little, to give a little bit of background on this, so, Joe, you mentioned the production, and I think the reason the production has changed a bit has a little bit to do with the fact that when they were starting to demo recordings for this album, I mean, obviously they were going to go Rick Rubin again, but they said Rick Rubin was like, the only the only documentation I can find is that he was quote increasingly elusive, and they didn't want to work with him anymore. So they asked if they could get out of their contract, and then he was just like, "Okay." So the band ended up re or not re-signing, but they ended up signing with DRT Entertainment to put out the feeding, and that record was produced by Greg Fiddleman. But 
to his credit, he did not do a bad job. I think this band sounds better when they're a little bit dirty. Anytime you take one of these classic-sounding new metal bands or any band that doesn't really push the single, and I don't think you could accuse this band of trying to push the single on any of the albums, but I could see anyone who doesn't understand or doesn't appreciate or just isn't the right fit for what Rick Rubin's style historically has been. I could see them wanting to get out of that and make music on their own. More than one artist has talked about Rick Rubin and how great he is for the product and how he stays out of the artist's way, how he comes in at the end and he just tweaks it in his own way to make some of the best albums you've ever heard. But imagine not knowing that. Imagine the hype train that is Rick Rubin, and then you have to do album number two, and where is that guy? This is before you had hindsight about Rick Rubin and how he stays out of the artist's way. This is 2005 when music is changing, popular music is changing, attitudes are changing, and you're not there to give the band the advice that they're looking for. I could see it being the wrong fit. It obviously didn't impact the music that much, but 2005 was a different time. We didn't know the things that we know now. So the band stuck to their guns. They wrote some new songs. They put out a new album. And at a time when everything came out sounding bad, in my opinion, like everyone was trying to mix for MP3, but they didn't know how to do it just yet. I'm so glad this album doesn't sound that way. This album has a little bit different production, but it's just as heavy. It's just as intense. It still has the right vibe, and it's not artificial in any way, shape, or form. What more could you want in 2005 other than hardcore vocals, Dan? I find it really interesting to hear a record this unabashedly new metal come out in 2005. Because, you know, speaking of, of hardcore and metalcore and all that stuff, I mean, that was kind of the cream of the crop at this time. So to hear a record that sounds like this that year, I mean, I know they sold 100,000 copies of it, which is really admirable, but is is kind of half of what the last one did because the last one was released in the prime of new metal. And uh, there was a lot of obstacles that had to be overcome to get to this point. I think this is probably the most mainstream sounding uh, American Head Charge album. You've got, you have a decent amount of clean vocals. They're more upbeat. They're a little bit more up tempo. But again, unabashedly early 2000s new metal. And I'm here for it because I like the fact that the dude does mostly screams, uh, which is unique to me in new metal bands, especially in 2005. And, uh, you know, they're going for really, really, and a really aggressive sound. It kind of reminds me of Dry Kill Logic, how they were an above-average heavy new metal band with mostly scream vocals, although they kind of did the smart thing and went metalcore, <laughs> you know, as quickly as as quickly as possible. Absolutely. In, in sort of an inverse of My Ticket Home, who started this metalcore and became progressively more new metal as they went. Um, but yeah, it, not, not that I think that they sound like Dry Kill Logic. It really, the band they remind me the most of is Snot, like Joe said. And also uh, a little bit of nothing face because they've got that 90s hard edge where it's all about the groove and the heaviness of the riff. And they're not afraid to slow it down to go heavy and accentuate their screamed vocals. It's It all fits together really well. And if this had been the album that came out by American Head Charge in 2001, they'd still be remembered as one of the one of the biggest bands in this genre because this is exactly what you would have wanted that year. I'm just not sure that it's what people would have wanted in 2005. Although, uh, I got to give a shout out to uh, seaoftranquility.org, where uh, the reviewer Duncan Glenday on March, I'm sorry, on September 23rd, 2005, uh, did describe this record as avant garde new metal. Now, I'm not sure what his personal definition of avant garde is, but. I, I don't personally disagree with that, but I think this is a damn good new metal album. And I think it's unabashedly what it is. The band is who they are. And at the beginning of this episode, I kind of described the band as feeling more immediate and more legitimate in a way than a lot of bands. 
And what's more legitimate than sticking with the thing that you have always done? You know, we, we give high praise to bands like Cannibal Corpse, who, after all these years, still sounds like Cannibal Corpse. Napalm Death, after all these years, sounds like Napalm Death. Uh, ACDC still sounds like ACDC. You know, th these bands that stuck with the iconic sound that they started with. Uh, now, granted, all those bands were more successful than American Head Charge, but I'm still going to give them props for doing it. And to put out a record that was still enjoyable, especially when compared to the rest of their discography, I got a very, very consistent sound. But unfortunately, you know, as I've been sort of hinting at since the beginning of this episode, there is some tragedy uh, that we need to that we need to sort of get into. So right after this record came out, uh, the band's guitarist Brian Ottison uh, passed away. Passed away in April of 2005 at the age of 27, uh, while the band was on tour. Um, they literally found Fuck. him in his yeah. They literally found him in in his bunk, and um, you know, police did discover you know a bottle of pills and um, yada yada yada. They because they they apparently said that it was reported that he died of a uh, accidental drug overdose, but it turns out that. Uh, it turns out that he just had like some strep throat medicine. It wasn't like hardcore drugs or anything like that. And um, they said that like the night before they'd had like maybe three, two or three drinks of alcohol and the dude, they were all sober and it was all good. And the dude was fine and woke up the next morning and he was dead. That sucks. We see it a lot and it just, it's very heartbreaking because like these guys had a great thing going. They had a great, you know, sound and it sounds like they were pushing through if they had held on a few more years. You know, at that point, you know, new metal was going to come back in a big way. And uh, I think American Head Charge would have still been rocking, uh, you know, could have still been rocking uh, to this very day. But the good news is, is this is normally where we would end the episode and be like, yeah, that sucks, man. Final thoughts. What's your album of the week? See you guys next week. Blah, 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 blah. Right. Uh, but no, American Head Charge did charge right on through uh, into the latter 2000s because they put, uh, because the band did not break up right after the death of their guitarist they did actually release uh, a DVD called Can't Stop the Machine and a live album that came with it and uh, a bunch of unreleased songs um, so there was, a, there was a lot of really cool stuff and they, they pressed on all the way till about 2009 and they decided that they were going to disband if the and band disbanded in 2009, how do we get 2016's Tango Umbrella? Well, I was just about to tell you that. Uh, they were broken up for about two years. And in 2011, they made an announcement that they were going to rehearse and make more music. And um, they had a lineup together. They released a, uh, they recorded an EP uh, called Shoot. I believe it was called yeah shoot uh and that came out in 2013 so you did have some actual activity from the band and uh they kind of went they, they, they toured off of that they went full on active and in 2014 they did what bands in 2014 do and uh to gauge interest i would assume uh they started an indiegogo campaign for a new album and of course they got uh, like $53,000 for doing that. And they continued to tour. And finally, 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 they released Tango Umbrella in March of 2016 on Napalm Records, which is the label you want to be on if you are a resurgent new metal band. <laughs> I never did understand how that works, though. Like, you're signed to our label, but you, you know, uh, you need to crowdfund the record. You need to crowdfund the record because. The, the music industry is just, you know, it just doesn't exist. You know, I, I don't know how that works. I don't know if they, like, raised the money for the album and then Napalm decided to distribute it for them or, or what happened with that. But, uh, you know, man, this all makes me uncomfortable. We're just here to talk about the music. So let's get into it. Tango Umbrella. It's about time. This band. I'm just kidding. In 2016... We were talking about making a podcast, talking about all things metal. And I remember a time when we were adamant 
new metal was going to be off the table for a while. American Head Charge puts out a new album in 2016. It actually doesn't remind me of the classic records. It reminds me more of the later Static X records and some of those decisions. Even his voice is a little bit more Wayne Static, a little less Lynn on this one, but that's fine. In 2016, before I got my dose of my ticket home and the rest of the world finally got on board with new metal as the glorious thing that it is, American Head Charge, it just sounds like they're doing the damn thing. It doesn't sound like they're trying to prove anything to anybody or trying to come back. I'm sure everything that they had to endure, losing what had to be one of the most important members of the band, not just because he plays guitar, but because he was in the band for so long. I don't know what that feels like, but to come back and make new music ask your fans to help you make that music and get that backing to get it out there with a record label, a major label that is able to push resurging metal bands and still does to this day. What more do you want but a droning, dirging new metal record in 2016? Because this album is the opposite of everything that was coming out in 2016. If anything, this was before its time. If the band could be accused of coming to the party late in the 90s, they were definitely early to the party here. Yeah, and I'm not even sure it was about that, really. I mean, this is this is the heaviness of this band fully realized with its sweet 2016 uh, production value. These riffs pop so hard. And the band is just as heavy as they were on their very first album, which is just mind-blowing when you think about the fact that this was a this was an American recordings artist band. I mean, even Slayer got like weaker over time. In my <laughs> yep, go ahead and start go ahead and start typing up the email right now. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this is this is peak American head charge. This is great. Uh, I like the, and and again, I experienced all of this at once. So like, if you have. The only way you can tell that this record didn't come out immediately after the feeding is the production itself. You, you can obviously tell that this came out, you know, in the twenty, in the mid twenty tens, and um, yeah, this thing absolutely blew me away. It was great cap off uh, from the previous three albums before it. I mean, these guys definitely have a vision, and they have something that a lot of bands lack, and that's consistency. I know on this show sometimes we we will slam bands if they don't change enough. But that's usually when you've got like nine or 10 or 11 albums that all sound the same. These guys have four. Two of them sound kind of the same because they have a lot of the same songs on them. Uh, but, you know, overall, this is one of the most consistent bands I, I think we've ever done on this show. And, uh, you know, I don't like giving out the Sure Thing Award. But if you like heavy, aggressive new metal with scream vocals, with a really deep groove and a level of legitimacy and aggression... This is American Head Charge displaying all of that on their most recent album. It's the right kind of consistency. The oh, band yeah. is just enough aggressive, just enough heavy. Yeah, it's new metal, but new metal's not a dirty word. It never really has been. Not really. So to have a band that can find the good in every aspect of metal and just keep doing what they do, give you the right kind of energy and the right kind of feedback, but not drag you along and make you buy into whatever their new progressive product is. This band has the right amount of everything, the right amount of melody, the right amount of groove, the right amount of extreme. The only time this band isn't heavy is when they're giving you that break. We talk about it all the time on the show. In order to have something be fast and heavy and extreme, it has to be next to something slow, melodic, and chill. And this band just works the slider like a good DJ going from the left turntable to the right turntable. They just move it enough to keep you interested in the next thing. And by the time I got to the end of it, I wanted to go back to the beginning. So I decided to work my way backwards. Give that a shot, why don't you? Oh, I've definitely done it before. I didn't do it with this band. I wanted to start at the dirty, nitty-gritty beginning. Because uh, I like to hear bands progress. You know, I like to hear that journey that they go on. And uh, this band went on quite the journey. And unfortunately, I have to end the, I have to end this discussion on 
Again, a little bit more of a downer note because these guys deserve better than what they get. But unfortunately, uh, their found their co-founder and bass player Chad Hanks passed away in November of 2017 uh, due to a terminal illness. And uh, yeah, that absolutely sucks. He did get to uh, he did hand pick a bunch of uh, he he did he did get to pitch a whole bunch of bands to play at his. Uh, you know, sort of, sort of memorial show, which is kind of cool. I, I hope that one day when I pass away, I can choose what bands play uh, my memorial show. If anybody actually, you know, cares that much. Uh, but got you covered there, buddy. All right. Well, you know, make sure it happens. I'll, you know, just it's just Zayo playing for six hours. So, I mean, <laughs> make sure you make sure you buy him lots of energy drinks, you know, and, and nicotine patches and all that. Will so, do. All right, but yeah, I mean. I'm just going to jump right into final thoughts. Uh, I don't need to be prompted. Uh, American Head Charge is awesome. If you like new metal, check out American Head Charge. Listen to any of them. Like, I literally can 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 personally recommend all four of the records. I'm not usually this positive either. I, like, I promise, like, I, you know, somebody didn't give me happy pills before we, before we did this episode. But I, like, legitimately enjoyed listening to this band. You know, I, I, I had I had no qualms, no issues. I mean, yeah, I could have been maybe a little bit nitpickier on a few things, but uh, overall, the vibe's good. The heavy, the aggressive, and legitimate vibe. Uh, this band, uh, it, it, its whole aesthetic just ended up really working for me, and I didn't expect that. So uh, I think that you can have a very similar experience yourself. Every new Metal May, we talk about bands that we love to listen to, and we look for bands that we haven't heard before. In a genre that so many people spent so much time downsizing and diminishing and not appreciating for what it is. It's that Alice in Chains root taken to its heaviest. We do New Metal May in honor of the Roach Coach, but we do it because we love this genre. We love taking time away from the normal that is this podcast and what extreme progressive metalcore black metal band do we want to talk about this week because the year of flow throughout the different genres this is our fun month if i can call it that and anytime i get to sit down with a band that i've heard but i haven't listened to or I haven't listened to in a long time, I come away with more joy and more appreciation for this area of metal that I love so much. And American Head Charge is a band that a lot of people missed out on. If you didn't, props to you. You were there from the beginning or you were there when it was happening. For me, I get to look back and I get to say, here's a band that had everything I wanted. I should have been listening to them the whole time. I am listening to them now as much as I can. They're on the shelf. They're on the list. You need to listen to American Head Charge. You're going to get the groove. You're going to get the attitude. You're going to get everything that you want from a good new metal band. What more could you want than a band that didn't get enough while they were around but gave so much? in spite of everything that got in their way along the way. Listen to this band. You're going to love it. Dan, what's your album of the week? My album of the week is not new metal, coincidentally. Uh, I needed American Head Charge to kind of break up uh, kind of kind of the, the, the onslaught of death metal and black metal and death grind that I've been listening to this week and uh but if i had to settle on an album of the week i would say it's definitely bleed the future by archspire from last year it is it's a ripper man i can't wait till we talk about this album on patreon because when we do uh joe's gonna accuse the drums of being fake he might even he might even accuse the entire band of being fake we're not 100 percent sure on that so make sure you're signing up for patreon one dollar a month <laughs> to uh hear that prediction and see how accurate it is well, you can save my predictions for me. My album of the week is Vengeance Falls by Trivium. He wasn't kidding. We're working on that episode. And I will do it. This might be my favorite album by Trivium, but stay tuned for that episode when we give our final thoughts on that band. New Metal May 2022. 
It's stacked. We're off to a good start. Don't expect this glowing over review of some other bands that we're talking about. Because <laughs> some of them I've already listened to. And uh, yeah. Take us out, DFT. Hey, thank you guys so much for listening to this podcast. We appreciate you. Um, make sure you guys are liking the podcasts on social media where if you see a social media blast, just like it, share it with your friends. We appreciate it when you guys do that. Send us an email at Show at gmail.com if you want to ask us a question or you know submit some show ideas or really anything that you want to talk to us about. Or, you know, again, if you want to sponsor an episode of this podcast, definitely hit us up there. And uh, you can always hang out with us on our Discord server. There's a link in the show notes that will take you right to Discord. We've got some really cool stuff coming down the pipe for you guys that may or may not include, you know, some free stickers. I know those are long overdue, and we want to get those out to you guys. So, um, you know, I, I will have, on the next episode, I will have a, a plan on how to connect you with stickers that have our logo on it. So, uh, yeah, make sure because these are going to be the classic logo, and this is like the only time we're going to make stickers of them. So make sure you are tuned in for that. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks so much again. And on that note, this has been episode 271 of Discography Discussion. Thank you for listening. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Subscribe to our podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts, including Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. Visit DiscussMetal.com for all things Discography Discussion. And please send questions and comments to Show at gmail.com. If you are not a patron, you can become one at patreon.com forward slash discuss metal. We have some sweet perks. Scrooge McDuckin through your money. $1 a month gets you into that exclusive album review feed. 